Ciao. Ciao. Hey, don't hang up. This is Jello Ciao Ciao, the all Jello show. If you even think of hanging up or leaving the room for a scotch, we will murder you. Now listen, Great Creeperson and the Phantom Eric and Chris want to take you on a ride through dark alleys and bright rooms, long stairways, and backstage at the art gallery. If you want to live, you'll don your black gloves and join them for the ride. Ciao, ciao, everybody, and welcome to Jello Chow Chow, episode 40. Seven bloodstained orchids. 40. Wait. 40. Is that 40? Like my nail? Yeah. Do. Everyone Hi, look at Chris's um, Jello score thing he made. He's very excited about that. It looks good, and it's the right way. I gave him some shit earlier, and it freaked him out a little bit, so I apologize. I love getting some shit, though. Yeah. Especially from you. And there's Eric and his nice microphone. And Eric has a hat. What does what does your hat say? Oh, okay, the TCs. That's right, the Twin Cities. That's what that stands for. That's what it stands for. Does it? Dork. I can't believe I never knew that. The Twin Cities Twins. Professional baseball playing team. Of national baseball players. But they're the American League, right? That's true. Yeah, don't try to fuck with me there, buddy. I won't. I know that. Kirby Puckett, yeah. I'm a little upset that uh, Chris didn't make us banners. We should make our own banners. Mine's going to say penis score. It's not It's not too hard. I can show you how to do it real quickly. You just have to um, create an overlay and then um, make part of it transparent. That's all. Well. So ship it over and I'll hook it up for you. Nice. My, my limited uh, knowledge of Photoshop paid off today when I made this thing. This is actually a little bit of trivia. If you... If you go to my Twitter feed for Jalo Score, this is same graphic as turned sideways on the left-hand uh, margin. So, there you go. Wow. Fun fact. <laughs> now, for all of the viewers out there watching us live, if you go to the Q&A bit, that is how you can talk to us. If you leave comments on the Google Plus page, I'm not going to read them. 
if you leave them on the YouTube page, I'm not going to read them. It's just because it's too damn confusing, and I have the attention span of a piece of plywood. So, um, yeah. So just do it on the Q&A part. Right. <clears throat> um, but tonight, our episode is so jam-packed with action, we could be confused as a porno shop mm-hmm. in, in this <laughs> episode. Not only are we going to be reviewing the classic film Seven Bloodstained Orchids, but we're also going to be going over our top ten of the last ten, a time-honored tradition here on the Chow Chow, <laughs> but we're also going to be um, picking our picks for the next three after the next one. Eric looks scared. And our noses. And our vagines. <laughs> so, do you guys have your picks? We're not going to do it now. Right. you got to build some suspense. I've got a couple I... locked and loaded. Yeah, I will have mine soon. Probably the less time spent on the review, the better then, since we have all this other stuff to get to. That means Eric was not thrilled with the orchids. Hey, Creep. Sanders has a question. In the background, go down, or is it full? How did that bottle of JB in the background go down? It went down not very smoothly. It um, was harsh. It took me probably about 30 episodes to drink it. Um, and didn't you normally first... fixed it with like some sort of cappuccino latte thing? No, I have my cappuccino latte here because <laughs> I have my diet coke here, and I have my hot cup of Java there, and I'm ready to go. I got my Ativan here. We're ready. <laughs> Get some tums ready. Yeah, but no, the first couple episodes I had a fifth of J&B, and that went down really quick, and if you go back and listen to those episodes, I was pretty drunk, so, um, yeah, so that's how that happened, um, but yeah, that's empty now, I fucked up and I don't have any J&B for the show tonight, so, I apologize, do you guys have any J&B for the show tonight? You know, I don't. I don't, I just have water. Big, worst shallow people ever. It's probably true, though I think I should get some credit because I went to a, uh, a brunch with my wife a couple Sundays ago and I saw way up on the top shelf they had to get a pole out to get the uh, JMB bottle. But I had a lot uh, of JMB on a Sunday morning. Because <laughs> it was the first bar I had actually seen a bottle of JMB at. That's some uh, good place. Yeah, they usually don't... Um promote that shit. They yeah. usually hide it down at the bottom. Right. They don't, yeah, they don't turn the label towards you usually. When, when it comes yeah. to Airbnb. Even though it's such a beautiful label. So, thank you for that question. Um, should we get into our top ten of the first ten? Or so. shit, the last ten. We can go back to the first time. We could shit the last ten. I know. I just, I just want to kind of talk about Case of the Bloody Iris and Strip Nude for Your Killer again. <sighs> Eventually we'll have to when we run out of stuff. Yeah. 
Sadly, as with the film we're going to talk about tonight, not every movie can be eyeball. So, <laughs> um, so here we go. I did some clever math here, which is going to piss Chris off probably. No, no, I know how it works now. Don't worry. Well, no, I, I, I had to change something because we had a three-way tie for oh. number five. And that's the first time anything like that has ever happened. We had a so three-way? So that means... Yeah, we had a three-way. <laughs> call me. boy, am I a mess. But um, <laughs> this means either that our tastes are becoming similar somewhat, or we've just been rubbing off on each other too long. No, it means that the two of you are finally getting smart and agreeing with me. I like the rubbing off uh, theory better. <laughs> Wait, what's number? Oh, I see what number five is. Dun dun da. All right, all right. Bum, so I did some Here's a hint. Wait a minute. Wait, what are you doing? Not quite Oh fuck, he's got the effects. Alright. Alright, well, sorry. Alright. Usually you have to pay extra for those, Jason said. <laughs> Is that for the, the robot tugs? Yeah. I like how that's exactly what me and you were thinking. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Okay, so I did some clever math, so I made it to where we're not tied. Okay. And I'll tell you what I, how I judged that in a bit here. So, are you ready for number 10? Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Number 10. Number 10, we're going to have to have Eric do his best Peter Lorre impersonation. Because number 10 is none other than... The Bat. Starting Lincoln's Place. <laughs> the Bat. Yeah, Chris gave it a 10. I gave it an 8. And Eric gave it a 9. We did not... Not like the movie. But for me, it just wasn't what I expect with the other films that we had in this list. Yeah. What do you guys think? Well, I, I kind of wanted to preface this before we started that I thought this was actually a pretty strong 10, um, for me anyway. I know a lot of them had fan picks in there that we kind of trashed, but for the most part, um, overall I did like them, um, other than when I was just ribbing the listeners. It was the bat... It just kind of fell into this place. It's this interesting diversion from a lot of the movies we've been watching, but altogether I just thought it was kind of an uninspired adaptation of the the story that I've seen a couple other times, and Vincent Price was good in it, but it was just yeah, not, not the best uh, version of this story that's been told. Yes, I agree with what Eric said. And may I add... <laughs> <laughs> um, I tend to um, rank these you know there's lots of different criteria one of them is uh, one of them is is it a giallo and does it pertain to what we're doing here but another one is 
um, how likely am I to watch this movie again? And I don't think I will ever watch The Bat again. Mm-hmm. So that's why it ended up at number 10 for me. Very nice. Very nice. Well, now at number nine, we have Le Orme. Or Le Orme. On the Moon. <clears throat> now, Are this one. To you? Are you supposed to be beating into me? What are, you said what? Do something to you? Oh, late. No. Oh, I see what you did there. You're making fun of my amazing Italian accent. No. Uh, Chris gave this a 7. I gave it a 10. Yikes. And Eric gave it a 7. All right, Eric. Good for you. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite movie. It wasn't my least favorite movie. But it was much closer to my least favorite movie ever than it was to my favorite movie ever. I see. I'm not a fan of Mrs. Bolkin's head. And there was a lot of her head in this film. And that's basically kind of what did it for me. And there's a picture of her head. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing this ghetto version of um, trying to do overlays of the films as we talk about them. As you can see, it's just a Google image tab. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, you should close those porn sites too. That makes you oh, look a little. Oh crap! Uh, amateur <laughs> pegging. I'm back. Oh wait. Uh, okay. I think, I think uh, with with footprints on the moon, I I liked it for it being kind of this dreamlike, uh, unique film, but. It was just rather sparse throughout, as far as the plot and and Florinda Balkan was not looking her best in this one. Um, she was a a pleasant sight and don't torture her up compared to this. Not really. I mean, that one scene yeah, when she's crying up, crawling up the hill after she got the hell bay out of her, she looked terrible. But even anyway, then, even I'm just I'm just not a fan of her. Yeah. All right, so so here's the question: You have to have intercourse with Florinda Bulkin, do you pick okay. do you pick a clean and non bloody and non messy short haired version from Le Orme or do you pick the completely almost about to die version from with longer hair from <laughs> Don't Torture Duckling? And I open this up to everyone watching. <laughs> I pick <laughs> what a question lizard skin. Oh yeah, well I didn't throw that one in there. You gotta woman's God, um, I guess bloody and vomiting. <laughs> oh, it's so gross, dude. Like she really was that so unappealing in, in Le Orme, huh? Yeah, it's it's like I'd I wouldn't mind being a character in David Cronenberg's Crash, and uh, just stick it in any one of those open orifices on her body. Oh, wow. The truth Ladies and comes gentlemen, out. if you have kids watching, I would advise putting them to bed now. <laughs> late when Eric that. hits the boiler room, <laughs> the kids gotta go away. <laughs> so what did yeah. you think about Footprints, Chris? Well, yeah, I mean, again, going back to would I watch it again, I would watch it again. I thought it was a good film. Um, yes, yeah, sure, it would be great if they had taken a really extravagantly... 
beautiful looking woman like if they had put you know um, our favorites uh, Edwidge or Barbara Boucher into that script um, it would have been a movie that everybody would have liked a lot more I'm I'm positive um, but I think that um, Florinda did a good job from an acting standpoint and you know the film is just I like the script I think it's beautifully filmed um, it's very slow um, so it's not the kind of thing that you want to put on when you're half asleep unless you want to watch it in order to make yourself fall asleep um, but if you have the patience for it and enough caffeine and you focus on the visuals and I guess the way that the story is kind of a slow burn um, it's worth a second viewing because I watched it twice before we covered it for the podcast because I wanted to make sure I got um, enough out of it but again it's it's number seven for me because the other ones that we did this this go around um, were much better um, other than a couple and um, I would like to to mention again that except for don't torture a duckling and seven blood-stained orchids all the rest of these are fan picks right our our Facebook pick people so sweet was so. Yep. so sweet was Al's right and I think the rest of them were just all from the voting. Yep. So we have uh, it, it. I thought I thought the top five were really hard for me to pick. The yeah. bottom five were kind of easy because they, you know, uh, they were they were kind of they went along with you know how how likely I am to watch them again. But the top five were hard. My number one and my like, number two. Yeah, my number one and number two, I, I went back and forth with about three or four times. But anyway, I'm not jumping ahead, but I'm jumping ahead. Well, well, Jason has a question here. Chris, do you really want us to ask... Wait, Chris, do you really want to ask that question? Some of us may have answers that the FBI would be interested <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. It, it, it probably... It's a, it's a would-you-rather kind of question that's probably best reserved for not broadcasting to the entire world yeah FBI listening to this well let's hurry up and get through the show before we get shut down (laughs) Um, so number 8 this was a kind of a shock for me I thought this would be up higher but um, opera no that sounds about right I had it up higher um, than 8 but I know that you guys didn't really like it that much so that's why it came down a little bit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you had it at number six. I had it at seven, and Eric had it at eight. And I'm shocked that I had it above Eric. It was. I don't know. As yeah, I guess talking about flip flopping, I flip flop between this and Footprints on the Moon, but I put them in this order just because I think for me, Opera overall just had unlikable characters. Not saying Florida Bocan was anything. Obviously, I'd rather do the the injured one over the one in Footprints. But I just like that one a little bit more um, because of the atmosphere and, and the unique quality to it. Oh, is that a scene from the movie? I can't remember. Yeah, that's the, there's the eyeballs with the tape and the needles. <laughs> I think she gets all shutter eyes. I yeah, call it bullshit. Right. It's just. Let's not go back there again. It's just kind of a labored <laughs> film. It does have good kills in it. I give it that, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the, the, for me, the ending was just so ludicrous and ridiculous. 
Like, yeah. It's certainly not Arge- anywhere near Argento's best film, so um, certainly, um, you know, would you put opera at the bottom of all the Argento films? It depends on when you where you're cutting it off, right? So, yeah, opera came after Phenomena, I think, and then after Phenomena, I mean, after opera, we had Two Evil Eyes trauma. and then and then Trauma. Yeah. So and trauma, I think, is better than opera. I think so too. Um, although it's not much better. <laughs> it's a little better. So yeah, but um, you know, anything after that, I mean, opera. I guess depends on if you're comparing it to the card player. I take opera any day, but. Anywho. All right. So the next one on our list, um, this was one of the ones that was tied for five. Um, So at number seven, we have Death Walks at Midnight, a film that Chris picked at eight. I picked at number two, and Eric picked at number six. So who wants to take this first? That's, that's, well, you should take it because you think it's <clears throat> worthy of number two. So let's hear it. It was why. a lot of effing fun. Like, I think the stupidest part of the whole movie was the weapon. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. I have grown accustomed to enjoying butthole face movies. And What's Eric doing? I don't know. It's kind of... He's stringing up some sort of an animal on the side of the screen there. Do my own Fulci film here. (laughs) Or just charging my damn computer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I tried to watch that film a few times, and uh, I don't know, man. It's not as fun as um, Death Walks in High Heels. Not at all. Yeah. But you know, I to to put it to put it above most of what we've done here for you know, I don't know what your number one is, but I'm assuming that it's not well, I shouldn't assume anything, but um, You should I, not assume a damn thing. Sir. I would assume that, you know crazy. with uh, <laughs> with as many films as I put above Deathwalks, I would think that there's at least one more that's better than that for you, but you know, listen, this is this is America. This America. is why we do this. If I want to put a hot dog and potato chips on my fucking cheeseburger, I can fucking do that. You yeah. can. You could put hot dog in your pizza crust. <laughs> Alright, so um real quick before we go on, we do have another comment here. The ending of opera was from the book Red Dragon. Argento was mad they didn't use it for that. They didn't film that for Manhunter, so he used it himself in opera. Oh, yeah, I read about that. Is that a legit thing? Yeah, I read about that somewhere. So there was a the guy who did the, the Miami Vice show. Was it Michael Mann or something? He did the original Manhunter that, um, yeah. that had the guy from... Monster Squad. Yeah, and that was like a low-budget, made-for-TV film, 
Um, and then they redid it with Anthony Hopkins and um, what's his name, Ed Norton. But I guess in the yeah. book, uh, the ending of the book was. The, I, I didn't read the book, but I guess the ending has to do with the fact that. Uh, oh yeah, I know because in, in at the end of. Um, Manhunter, there's a fire, right? And the killer is consumed in the in the flames. But I then, haven't read the book. Jason says that actually makes sense having read the book. So apparently that is very legit, and now I'm going to go read that book. Yeah, I've, I've not read the book, just seen uh, the Anthony Hopkins version and have not seen the Michael Mann version, so not too helpful. And I think they're I think both of them are are good versions. I like them both. I think Ed Norton was good in it, and Ray Fiennes was good in the in the modern version. But um, there's some pretty like spooky, chilling scenes in that original one that are just like they're subdued, but they're really like you know they're they're really frightening. But at any rate, so uh, Death Walks at Midnight, Eric. What do you think? Yeah, I agree that it's the lesser of the, the Death Walks duology. I think that's what you call it. And I still thought it had an interesting enough premise to be uh, to be memorable, um, like the other film that he did. Uh, just not quite as much. And I, I like the kill weapon. I don't know why. I just thought it was goofy. It looked really strange on his hand, but it was yeah. something I enjoyed. It was something memorable, and that's kind of what I, that's all I really need when you get these all these films that seem to run together in terms of um, similar signatures and things like that. All right. Yeah, and the soundtrack for Death Walks is really good. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I can always I can always give it more points just for the soundtrack. Sure. So number six is Seven Bloodstained Orchids. Now this we're not going to talk too much about right now. But Chris picked this at number one. I picked it at number six. And Eric picked it at number ten. So I am now the voice of reason in this conversation. (laughs) For once. You say so. So we'll talk more about that in a minute. So let's jump right into number five, which is New York Ripper. Um, Chris picked it at five, I picked it at five, and Eric picked it at five. Well, there you go. So, middle of the fucking road movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think people could agree with that. Yeah. Excellent. Kind of dirty, kind of gory. It, it's yeah. entertaining throughout, I think, from beginning to end. Um, it's just, yeah, way more gore than story, uh, anything like that. And it kind of, it's a late cycle Fulci movie, so you can't really expect too much storytelling in it. Let's see here. And then number four is Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Chris had this at number nine. I had it at number four, and Eric had it at number two. Now, this movie, um, I had a really hard time with this 
Um, Seven Bloodstained Orchids and New York Ripper. I kept changing it in my list over and over and over and over again. And um, I think why this one got picked four for me was just because I liked it better than New York Ripper and Seven Bloodstained Orchids. Okay. Well, that's pretty logical of you. Yeah. Yeah, I try. Throw logic into it. <laughs> what do you think about it, Chris? I think it's a piece of shit. I hate that movie. That's all. No. Um, I can't watch The Red Queen anymore, and that's why it's number nine. Uh, it's no, it's better than number ten because it's a Jallo. It's got Barbara Boucher in it. It's got a couple of other hot girls in it. Um, it's got a really awesome soundtrack. So, and I and I've watched it maybe three or four times. But I'm I'm done with it. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I think that the main guy, the the the, the protagonist, the, the guy who runs the show, or the, the amateur detective, is a complete like douche. Like I I hate looking at him. He makes me like. He makes me get all like, ugh. And um, Barbara Boucher's hair—it looks terrible. Um, the the shoulder, the shoulder length palm thing makes you look like a dog. And the wow. ending is so stupid with her being trapped in the thing and all that, all all the cops coming in and everybody trying to to release the water from the wherever the room was and it's just stupid. You seem a little more violent about it than you did when we reviewed it. I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I try to be respectful of people's wishes and people's opinions. Um, But the more I think about it, and, you know, I had to think about it again for this top ten. You know, I had to go through each of the films and say, okay, where would I put this one? And Red Queen was uh, a film that I was really excited to watch originally when I had bought the... Emilio Mari, whatever the heck his name was, double box set with the, the little figurine of uh, the Red Queen. Um, and I watched the other one first. Evelyn came out of the grave, and I got stuck. Um, I got stuck in between. Um, and the night Evelyn came out of the grave, I still haven't watched it all the way through. It's not a traditional Jallo. And so I switched over to the other one. I'm like, oh, this is much better. It's, you know, it's a knife-wielding killer and everything. But the more I watch it, the more I think about it. Um, it's just a rip-off movie. It's, I mean, yeah, okay, look, they're all rip-off movies if you look at them. But um, this one has got, like, the worst protagonist. And they even, like, they use the exact same apartment um, that they used for Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. And... Um, Cry of the Prostitute says Dr. Night Gaunt is uh, the Boucher I should watch. So, uh, yeah, my favorite Boucher moment is when she gets the lesbian thing going on with um, whoever that is in um, Amok, which is uh, a good film. Um, But at any rate, yes, I don't think I'll watch it anymore. Um, If I had to watch, yeah, like I put that below Leorm. Leorme, sorry, Al. Leorme, yeah, I would watch Leorme. If you had to give, if you gave me both of them and said watch one, I'd pick Leorme. Sorry. Wow, you're just a big old douchebag, sir. Look at that. What was that? Cry of a prostitute. I can't wait to sink my things into that. 
Well, maybe I should pick the night Evelyn came out of the grave later, just to make you have to watch Red Queen again, because you'll want squirrel. to. Wow. <clears throat> I would um, like what to did you probably think? end up liking that one more, because it's yeah. it just went backwards on me for some reason. I don't know. Weird. Anyway. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, you, I think you put this, this one pretty high. Put it pretty high. Uh, relatively compared to the other movies that we have on those that could very well have been a number two uh, but I gave it to that because I, I do really like the throwback plotting to it um, it seems like an old movie old dusty horror movie I would like but it's kind of modernized it's, it's a little slick, a little cleaned up for modern times and it's got some beautiful women in it like Chris mentioned and I think it's got probably the most memorable looking killer um from one of these movies I've seen in a long time, which was kind of refreshing to see as well, even though it did turn out to be kind of goofy at the end. Um, I just really liked... I got kind of spooked watching that white, ghastly face with the long black hair and the red uh, overcoat running around at night. It was just kind of spooky. It was. I agree with you on that. Yeah. So, number three, we have Don't Torture a Duckling. Chris gave this a number two, Eric put it at number one, and I put it at number nine. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so go ahead. I'm actually um, happier about you putting Duckling at nine than I am about you putting Orchids at... Where'd you put Orchids? Six? Uh, six, yeah. Eh, maybe not. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I, I think we're I think we're in agreement, except... We're... we're we're relatively in agreement, so relatively. Yeah. Anyway, Eric, tell, so tell, this us, is tell your, us why it's nine. One. Oh, you want me to tell you why it's nine? Or, because, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you go first. Like the killing of the kids, it wasn't bad, but it's not something that I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to go watch a movie where someone kills a bunch of little boys. Um, the reveal, not the reveal, but like, <clears throat> um, how do I say this without, by this time watching this, I was completely over the whole, um, priest being bad. It had just, for me, been done in so many other films that I had seen that it wasn't a shock, and look at that devil. Um, but... The reason why... Oh wait, the, oh, wait, the priest being bad. There we go. Yeah. Where's my halo? Where's my halo? Ah, uh, well, sorry. Now you're a clown. There it is. Okay, well, there it is. So, um, but the uh, reason why it's higher <clears throat> than Leorme is because Barbara Boucher is super hot, and she had on some fancy clothes and had a cool little apartment. But when you think about it, that has absolutely dick to do with the story. So, yeah, yeah I, could, I could see this being knocked down for some people towards the bottom half, but nine, man, that's a little too low. Yeah, no, I, I don't agree. I like I like the film a lot. I don't know how much of the how much creep score is influenced by the fact that the subject matter is off-putting, and that's totally respectful. I get it. Um. Boucher is ten times better looking in this one than in uh, Red Queen. Um, so if we're just voting based on Boucher, then, you know, 
Duckling goes above Red Queen. But um, but I, I wasn't. I have a tendency to think that Eric may have put it at number one because he's seen it a couple times already, and maybe more familiar with it than all the other ones. But yeah, it does help. But I, I just am a sucker for the these types of these types of movies and the settings and the the music. And I, I thought it was you know for a story it was for Fulci it was coherently constructed um, and in pretty simple to follow and engaging throughout and child killing doesn't affect me so I don't know if that oh, that's about me but. What would, if you guys had to pick the, the best Fulci movie or maybe just your favorite Fulci movie what would it be like all Can of them not just them? no not just the Jalo. I'm talking about all Fulci all the way across the board horror movies and everything I'm not really a fan. Yeah, we know you're not a fan. But I would have, I might, I might say this one. I like, I like zombie. I like sitting down and watching zombie just for the heck of it with, with you know, with friends. Yeah. Maybe a couple brewskis on the looski. But if I'm gonna take in a piece of Fulci cinema, I'd be this one. What do you say, Chris? I don't know. I mean, I like the Beyond. Uh, a lot. Yeah. I like I like all those um, kind of uh, early '80s sort of zombie, sort of not zombie films. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Night Gaunt said the Beyond as well. Um, you know, zombie House by the Cemetery. Um, oh, that kid just drives me fucking crazy in it, dude. <laughs> and he's, he's in so uh, he's in Blade of the Rip or Blade in the Dark too, right? In the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would have to say, for me, Zombie, but it's not so much the movie. Like, the, the soundtrack for Zombie yes. is, like, one of my favorites. Yeah, it's Even great. though it sounds exactly like House by the Cemetery, if I recall. Or City... Oh, scene. Gates of Gate Hell. I don't know. There's one other movie that the score is almost exactly the same. Yeah, but, I think um, you're right. But Zombie is fun. Ish. I think the Beyond too. I mean, out of out of all the Jolly, I think we talked about this last time. I think Don't Torture is probably his best one. But like Eric said, it's probably his most not only well written and coherent script, but I think it was probably his most. You know, um, I think the attention and the attention to detail and the quality of his direction was at its highest point for that film. I think he 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 didn't do any like he didn't just there was no bullshit. In, in Don't Torture a Duckling. I think some of his other later films, it looked like he was kind of like phoning it in at certain points. Um, I think he really paid attention to this one. So, But I mean, the, guy, the guy directed so many films. I mean, if there are any that? other viewers out there that want to chime in on that, what's your favorite? Um, Who doesn't want the priest falling off the cliff? The priest falling off the cliff looks like shit. I love it. I have that book, Dr. Night Gone. It's really awesome. It's huge. Which it's like book a, is it? It's called um, It's called Beyond Terror, I think. Uh, yeah, I it's, 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 a, it's a soft cover, but it's really... I mean, I think it was like 50 or 60 bucks. And, uh, so it comes. it's coming back in September? Is that what he said? Into print, yeah. It's been out of print yeah. for a while. 
All right. Anyway, so let's jump into number two here. Number two. It's, it's number two. <laughs> number two. Yeah. Jerks. Uh, number two, we have Forbidden Photos. All right. Finally. A woman who got stuff happen to her. Chris mm-hmm. picked this at number four. I put it at number three. And Eric put it at number four. Huh. It's, it's just a pretty movie. I have to say, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I thought that you guys didn't like that as much as... As what? It just in general. I thought that was going to show I like up further down. Better. Did you really? Well, yeah, you put yeah. that at two, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, this was good. Let's see. Jason says, honestly, I'm a hardcore New York Ripper fan. Just because, as a Tom and Jerry fan, I love the idea of Little Quack as a homicidal maniac. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the priest falling off the cliff along with any long falls in Jalo look like crap, and they are incredibly entertaining. Hell yes. <laughs> Keel. Thank you, Sanders Keel. There were sparks coming off of his face, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. When else are you going to see that? All right. In Terminator or something. But anyway... So yeah, so, Forbidden uh, Photos, I think you guys, you know, I put it at four. I think it's my favorite of a um, Luciano Ercoli's films, all three of them. I picked that one to be the, my favorite, um, with Death Walks in High Heels second, and Death Walks at Midnight third. Um, I like that one a lot, but I liked some of the other ones that we did a little bit better. I think Duckling is such a classic film that it's got to be higher. Um, and some of the other ones that we've done this round are a little bit better than that, but it's a good, it's a good one. It's it's definitely one that I return to, uh, to watch or even just to listen to the soundtrack because it's really great. Eric, what do you think? I think it's got some some actual clever twists, which for as many twists as there are in Jello, a lot of them aren't too clever, and I th- I like the ones in this one. Um, it was a very very sexy movie. You know what I mean? Just had a, you know, in all senses of the word, it was had a sexy cast and it just felt sexy. The the sets and the wardrobes, and uh, just yeah, it had a great cast overall. And I loved the music, like we were talking about. And it's just it's just a well shot movie, I think. Um, which is another is. thing I have to give a credit for. I agree. Um, Jason says, "Oh, I keep forgetting to write you guys about forbidden photos." The cane weapon in there wasn't an, an Italy-specific device. Sword sticks like that have been popular since the Victorian age. Jack the Ripper used it. Wow. Actually, that was badass. But yeah, that so is- let's go with our number one. We all know what it is. Then say we it. We all know what it is. I say it's so sweet, so dead. It is so sweet, so dead. I put it at number one, Chris put it at number three, and Eric put it at number three. You guys need to quit sharing each other's brain. It's driving me effing crazy. Yeah, I mean... But I put this at number one because it, out of the movie of the kind that I like that we watched this time, it was one I hadn't seen before, and it was a lot of fun. It had everything I wanted in it and more. Mm-hmm. It was super. 
It was sleazy, but a good kind of sleazy. Not Ursula kind of sleazy. <laughs> yes. Still, uh, it's just a peak Jalo film at a peak time for the subgenre. Cool. Yes. Yeah, um, beautiful film. Uh, I loved it. Um, I picked two that were I thought were better, um, but uh, it was a film that I had never seen before. Let me see. Out of all of these films, I had never seen Leorme, and I had never seen The Bat, and I had never seen So Sweet, So Dead. And um, we need more of those. We need more of those So Sweet, So Dead films to, to, to watch for this show because I think that we all like those films. We like them where there's enough of a mystery, where it's interesting, and there's a cool couple of plot twists, but for the most part, we like um, set pieces, we like the murder sequences, we like uh, the, the tits and ass, and we like um, really cool music. So yeah, I, I just like it when a movie is fun, and that yeah. is a fun movie. Yeah, I agree. Like, like So Sweet, So Dead, so let's 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 another impromptu poll, everybody. Are you ready? So sweet, so dead. Uh, put them in order. Uh, uh, Case of the Bloody Iris and uh, Strip Nude. Um, what are your preferences? Or an eyeball. An, an eyeball. Uh, shit. It would be eyeball, Case of the Bloody Iris, and then a tie with So Sweet, So Dead and Strip Nude. Yeah. Yeah, I would go uh, just like always. <laughs> you could go flipping back and forth. Yeah, I'd, I would go with so sweet, so dead, and then maybe I think I would do strip nude, just slightly edging out eyeball, and I still have to put case of the bloody iris down below. I mean, I know we said that we all like these kind of movies, but I, that one still just hasn't rubbed me the right way. I don't know. Okay, and now here's the right answer. Everybody ready? Case of the Bloody Iris comes first. Oh, good lord. Then So Sweet, So Dead. <laughs> then Eyeball, then Strip Nude. That's the end. Okay. I don't know. You're <laughs> a jerk. Um, getting back to the cane, Jason says, they deployed more easily than a sword cane, not as loud as a pistol, and they were more elegant than a simple weighted head on a cane. Uh, I those canes. I'm kind of worried. Babette says, um, love So Sweet, So Dead. I like the visual storytelling. It really reeked out with stuff like So Sweet, So Dead. Peaked out. And then, let's see here. Jason said, eyeball strip nude, So Sweet, and Iris. Where it belongs. Sorry. And, uh, well, you know, let me say this. I'm going to, just because I have the utmost respect for Mr. Creeperson... Um, and because I really don't want to watch the strange color of your body's tears yet, I think, uh, uh, I think I might watch Eyeball again just for fun, and maybe I'll have a couple of beverages before I watch it, and we'll see what happens. Eyeball so. is so much fun. Okay, so, um, that was the top ten of the last ten. So, hurrah. Cool. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. I think so. What's that? That's the show for tonight. That's the show for tonight. <laughs> so now we are going to talk about the movie that was ranked number 
six in our list, seven bloodstained orchids. That could get confusing, but I just wrote orchids, just so that wouldn't be an issue. Um, we already, um, for those of you who sent in the listener picks, um, I already got a couple of them, but we're not doing those until next week. So if you want to put your top ten of the last ten together, go ahead and send them, and we'll talk about it on the next show. So, okay. Um, Seven Bloodstained Orchids was my pick. Um, it is an Umberto Lenzi film, who is one of my favorites of the genre. And this film had been asked a bunch of times for us to do, and because this one is not one of my favorites of his, I have been putting it off. So, um, now we're going to talk about it. So, let me give you a little menagerie of a plot here. A bunch of bitches get killed and put the, get this little uh, crescent moon thing put in their hand, and then one girl almost gets killed in the train. They said she's killed, and she's not. And then the movie gets really fucking boring, and then later, you find out who did it. That is the synopsis of this. Um, do any of you guys have anything a little more um, literary that you would like to share as a synopsis for this film? Absolutely not. Beautiful. Did you just have a book out? No. Yeah, he's looking at porn. Leave him alone. This book. I have it. I have it handy. You want to read from that one, Eric? That's cool. Sure. We're, we're doing the more literary version of it? Yeah. For the layperson, you know. Right. Um, a killer begins murdering young women, leaving a half-moon pendant as a kind of calling card at the scene of the crime. When Julia is attacked and nearly killed, the police and her husband, Mario, decide to let the killer believe that she has died from her wounds so that they can try and get the upper hand. I will say that I did like that part of the plot. Um, that was kind of yes. fun. Uh, the series of killings continue, and eventually it transpires that all the victims have a connection which helps Mario to unmask the culprit. And then we come out here. Sorry. And a bunch the of bitches. <laughs> um, Torsten says that um, my synopsis was great and spot I think on. Talking, I think they were talking about mine, actually. No, I am going to take credit for that one. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, yeah, this movie is a whole lot of fun the first 20 minutes. The first 20 minutes of this movie are so much fun. My favorite bit in it, well not my favorite bit, but it just it's perfect like Lindsay everything. Within the first 2 minutes, some chick gets killed and then another chick is about to get killed, but right before she gets killed, she says, "Let's get at it." Because she's a hooker and she's like naked and she's ready to go, and and that's just like Lindsay's, usually Lindsay's storytelling. Let's get at it. Like yeah, but... let's cut all this other fucking boring shit out and let's just fucking get at it. And that was great. But I mean, let's talk about that for a second because I don't think the very first person was actually murdered. I think that you don't the think ki so? killer goes into that house and. He puts his hand over her face or something, and it turns out to be this old woman. 
And then he looks over, and there's a picture of the girl he's looking for. Right? They never show you yeah, what happened to us. And, and plus, don't forget that the killer only killed the seven girls that were related, with the exception well, of no. Aaron at the end. So. Well, A, you don't know if that old lady was at the hotel with her scanty daughter. And B, why didn't that old lady call the cops and say, hey, some fucking psycho just tried to fucking kill me in my bed? Because that cop was pulling shit out of thin air left and right. And <laughs> he should have been able to add that onto the list of things. True. But I'll, 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 give, you, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But it's, it's, it's ambiguous, let's put it that way. She was pretty right. out of those little uh, tokens that you had to use to call people. That's it. A, a jetoni. Yes. You like that? It's like that. Um, but, uh, Creep, this happens to you a lot, right? And Maybe it's the films. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's both. It seems to me like when they make these films, they start them out strong. They know that the middle section is going to be boring, and that's okay because most of the people aren't paying attention to the films anyway. And then they throw in some cool stuff at the end. And so every time we watch a film, like, I know that um, most of the time, Creep, you're like, yeah, it started out great. It was so interesting. The first 15 minutes, the first 20 minutes. And I think that's probably, I don't know, I think they did that on purpose. So I, I watched these films, and I kind of know that the middle section is going to be slow. I didn't think that this film was as slow as some of the other Jolly that we watched as far as, like, an investigation. I thought it kind of moved... Um, pretty fast but uh sorry okay first off i take great offense to your statement sir chris okay awesome Just so you know um but real quick um we have a couple comments if you like Lindsay, then it'll be hard to beat rome armed to the teeth that sounds epic and i'm gonna try to look for that tonight and then Jason says, come on, Creep, do you really think the Italian cops would care about a woman that far outside of his preferred range of hotness? That makes perfect sense, and I agree. That's probably why they didn't give a shit. The chick wasn't hot, so they just, like, ignored her phone call. They probably that get calls like that every single sense. night. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I'm not going to say that... You're wrong. I'm wrong. Because everything has to start off with a bang, okay, to get people interested in something. But I got one compound word for you, sir. Eyeball. That movie is relentless. It never <laughs> lets up. <laughs> that movie never gets boring. Um, there's a lot of movies that don't get boring. Um, I feel like there's times when they're just kind of filling reels to make a runtime that they're supposed to have for their yep. distributor or something. But um, and I think I think they did this obviously a couple of times in Orchids. So, and I have uh, I have I some see. some notes on that. Yeah, but, I'm gonna take the middle ground here as usual. <laughs> um, I do think it started off with a bang, and I do think that movies that do. Uh, generally do leave you feel, feeling disappointed when it does kind of slow down, but there are some that I can understand. Like Black Belly kind of does it a little bit. Um, no, it does not. It, Black it, Belly is an action-packed romp through Italy. Possibly. 
I'm just saying that that's. I, I was actually defending that one. I'm saying that that's one that kind of did it right, where it was the one that you could follow, and uh, after that the the beginning, and it was just a lot of fun. And this one, it just was to an a nauseating degree how trite and I don't know. I can't think of the right well, words to describe it right now. It just got so labored and and uh, boring with, and especially um, Antonio Sabato Senior. Not Junior. Let's not confuse Fucking him. Hell, dude. No, not Junior. He was just unwatchable. Awful. As, as the uh, awful, awful, awful. He didn't want to be there, so it's like, why should I have to be here, watching you? So I, I don't blame Lindsay for it. I say that he had the card stacked against him. I feel a little bad for him because I do like his stuff generally. Um, I think, like you're saying, this one it doesn't have a pretty beginning, and I kind of like that. I like the, the the grimy grittiness of the dark, moody. Uh, gruesome kill scenes of the prostitute and the best street for hookers I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah, but it looked just like Tenebrae, right? Didn't look like the I same. Mean, that street was way better though. Really? Like there was like, way more hookers than cars. It was like I'm doing my I'm doing my uh, Mario impression. Al, you need to find out where those hookers were. Because we're all gonna go on a trip. See, I didn't have that much of a problem with Mario. I thought he was okay. I mean, you know, he wasn't he, he wasn't as bad as that fucking guy from Death Walks, uh, or no, um, from uh, Red Queen. Come on, you gotta you like him better than that. Ridiculous, sir. You gotta like him better than that. He, okay. um, like a family circus cartoon, and he says, Wait. have you seen this man? <laughs> I, I, listen, that that's the funniest part, and I have some serious... I, I have notes that we have to discuss that, because it's so funny. But You first, guys... Wait, do you guys did you guys ever watch the tick? Yes. The old cartoon. Do you remember yeah. Little Wooden Boy? Yep. Little Wooden Boy could have played that part better than Mr. Sabato. <laughs> That's what exactly what it was. Very obscure. Okay. I'm sorry, but, Chris. Go ahead. No, it's okay. It's it's cool. So did you guys notice and we haven't covered this other film on the cast yet, but um this film starts out exactly the same way as Strange Vice does. There's a guy in black gloves driving a car down a busy urban street at night. And then, you know, in, in Strange Vice, it turns out that he's near the airport. Um, clearly, it was done way better in Strange Vice. Um, but it's the same thing. And I looked it up. So Strange Vice was out in January of 71. This came out in February of 72. So... Um, I mean, they're, they're st in the, the beginning scene of this film is so similar to Strange Vices of Mrs. Ward that it, it couldn't be a coincidence, I don't think. Um, isn't the, uh, like, at least when the credits start, isn't Strip Name for Your Killer the exact same, too? Like, the credits are driving through the city street at night. Well, ca uh, Case of the Bloody Iris is... is um, the credit sequence starts with the driving, but it's during the daytime, and the guy's um, the guy's driving and, and chasing the one girl who goes to the phone to make the call. I forget how strip nude starts. I haven't seen it in a while. It starts but, um, with some fur burger and a gyno exam. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would jog your memory. I about okay. that part. <laughs> okay, talk we about have, the part you wanted to talk about. We, have Riz, we have Riz Ortolani. Uh, who did the soundtrack? And did you guys hear? Like, I don't know why it is, but I'm. It, 
I guess because Cannibal Holocaust is such a, a, a film that just it stays with you, especially the music. It sounded like there was parts of that music. Uh, obviously, this came first, um, but I think Ortolani did a lot of recycling of his uh, soundtrack items. Um, with the with this particular soundtrack, and I didn't find it that the entire soundtrack had been published anywhere or released anywhere, but um, that one theme gets overused in the film. Like every time Mario gets in the car to go somewhere else or um, whenever the scene changes to the next scene, they start it with that theme or sometimes they start it with the faster paced version. And uh, I really liked the theme, but it got so overused in this particular film that by the end I was like, okay, we need another track, please. Um, the theme is one of the things that I actually really like about the movie because it's like the low end of it is very like jazzy and kind of hip and dancey, but then right. the highs on it are really eerie and kind of yeah. frightening. Yep. You know, and it's such a good blend. I I love it. But yeah, it's it's like. Uh, Bloody Iris. It's like the same song played every two seconds. Dun, dun, dun. Oh no, that's an eyeball. <laughs> yep, so, so my one. my my first point for discussion, and we don't we're not going through this linearly, I guess. Um, the priest did it. Uh, anyway, um, my first point Spoiler of discussion alert. is <laughs> the first. Does it though? So it's the the second murder is Kathy Adams. And she's the girl yeah. who has the painting in her house. Why did the cats need to be poisoned? Does anybody understand that, or was it just for the effect of the film? Like I go through this. I, the yes, reason, yeah. the, one of the sorry, uh, go ahead. Question with the sub A question. The reason why I like this film is because I went through it kind of scene by scene, and and um, I guess I took the I took the cue of okay, this is moving a little slowly to really kind of dissect the story. And there's there's a million, million holes in this story, but it, it just, I like the way that it goes together. I like the way that they go from following one um, clue after the next. And I like how all of the characters come together. They're all connected in some way, but how are they connected? Um, but, um, you know, as I went through, I just kind of went and put some discussion points together and... I didn't understand why the cats needed to be poisoned. Just anybody know? I think it's kind of like a cat of nine tails thing. He poisoned her milk, and she gave it to the cats. Really? That's where I was going, headed with it too. It's well, this milk didn't have to be, or yeah, this milk maybe was for the cats because it was refrigerated, whereas her milk doesn't have to be refrigerated. So maybe the killer just mixed that up. Hmm. No, I'm just I'm going with the. Jason thinks that the killer was a dog. Jason thinks the killer was a dog lover, so we'll give him that. Yeah. Those, those cat deaths hit me a lot harder than any child killing. Well, because you have cats. I'm allergic cats. to cats, so I didn't give a fuck. Right. I'm allergic to cats too, and I have children, so. <laughs> I'm not allergic to my children. Okay, I got another question. So. Um, I like what they did with making it look like Julia was dead and having the whole funeral yeah. thing. 
Um, and then in the hospital, when they finally bring her out and she gets in the car and they're about to drive away and she notices that the half moon key ring, which was actually mailed to her by the killer because the killer didn't have enough time to leave it at the scene. Um, and Mario puts it on his keychain. So do you think they were trying to turn him into a suspect for just a little bit of time? Or do you think... Totally. It, or, or do you think it was more to make, um, to, to segue into that flashback? Because she was like, oh, okay, now I remember seeing it. It was on a keychain, you know. And having it on the keychain well, yeah. was, was what triggered her memory. He's like, oh, yeah, it looks different on a keychain. No, it doesn't. It's a fucking goddamn fucking half-moon crescent thing. It looks exactly the same as it does other times. Fucking but, goddamn fucking. Yeah. I, I just, like, he was fucking awful, and she was lucky she had a pretty face, because, like, she was just as fucking annoying. In my book. You didn't like her. They were I awful. Thought they, I thought they needed more of her. I thought she was yes. pretty. I mean, she she was kind of, like, um, conservatively pretty. She wasn't, like, super, like, sexy pretty, but she was pretty. So, how about this one? Remember when they go to the hotel, they ask about the ledger, and the guy says, we don't have any information about, about the ledger. And then, so, for, so first of all, it was so confusing because they said, okay, there was an American, and he was the guy who had the half moon. So, and now I remember him. He used to come in and eat at the hotel, but then he didn't stay there. He had his own place. So let's go to that place. So unless you're paying close attention... They drive out to find that place where he used to live, but it's closed for the season. It's some sort of seasonal rental. So then they go to the hotel where she used to work, and the guy's like, oh, we changed. The whole staff changed. There's nobody here. So they leave, and then they're driving halfway back, and Julia says, but wait, why don't we just check the records uh, to see who was there? And then they, like... And then Mario does this crazy U-turn where he almost flips the car over and they head back to the hotel again. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, like, I always think about these things. Like, did they script that part and say, okay, we're going to go to the hotel and then we're going to leave the hotel and then we're going to go back to the hotel? Or did they decide, you know, let, let's, um, at the last minute, let's, we need to ex extend the uh, runtime and we want to show um, Antonio driving around in a, in a hot rod. Uh, for a I few think, seconds, honestly, it was there was a, they had a cool shot of him on a roundabout, and they're right. like, "How are we gonna fit this in here? <laughs> Let's just make him like leave and then come back." Right. Because that was if you look at that street, there was nowhere else for him to go. It was like right. a fucking cul-de-sac. <laughs> like, where the fuck else is he gonna go? Yeah, it was dumb. That one was like a head scratcher. So okay, so. They come up with this list of all the women who have something in common. They were all at the hotel at a particular time. And Julia says that even though the page has been torn out of the ledger, that all the people on the day before and the day after should represent the, all the people that were there on the day where the page gets ripped out, right? But yeah. why is that? Why wouldn't they? Why, why wouldn't anyone have left before that day? Is it because it landed on a weekend or something? Like, what, what was the logic behind it? I think the logic there is is that if someone checks in on Monday, 
and they're there on Wednesday. They were probably there on Tuesday. Yeah, you wouldn't so, check out and then check back in on another day. The thing that's weird is that, like, what if someone left on Tuesday? That's what you're saying, right? And that's what and that's what Mario says. He says, "Well, what if somebody left on on the 29th? And she says, "Well, no She's one like, they could never do that. That would, yeah. Well, no, they wouldn't have they, because no one would have left on the 29th. And he says, "Oh, that's it. That's the explanation." And I didn't know if there was some kind of weird thing, like cultural thing, like you go in a particular part of the of Italy at a particular season in the year, and maybe the 29th was a particular day of the week when people just, you know, like. Nowadays, you can go and check into a hotel any day of the week in modern society, but maybe back then, they didn't have office hours on the 29th because it was a Sunday. And so you had yeah. to check in on Saturday, and you wouldn't leave again until Monday because you, you, you're there for the weekend or something. I don't know. But then wouldn't but, the killer know that too and take all the pages? Take all three pages, right, of course. Well, or take the book. But you can argue that the killer was in a rush and he found the first page and he grabbed it and he remembered he was what just day looking it, for names. He remembered what day it was. Yeah. He was just looking for names. He wasn't trying to hide anything. They wouldn't have set, have accepted a one night booking during the peak season, says Torsten Luth. It's a oh. European thing. See? Well there you go. Right. Thank so that you. bitch wasn't this crazy. <laughs> well, she worked at the hotel. She's supposed to be, you know. But I, I mean, I really liked the, the part of the movie that I really liked was how they came up with this list, and then if you, you know, you have to unfortunately pause, rewind, or take some notes to really pay attention to this because they go through it so quickly, and they clearly the, the the filmmakers didn't want you to pay this close attention to it because you you couldn't in, in as quickly as they rattled off people's names. But they they listed all the people and like okay this one um, she's died she's already dead she died of natural causes this other one is in a mental institution this other one is in Palermo um, this other one is currently touring Australia um, and then um, at the same time that they're doing all this they have this guy who is Raoul who confesses or eventually confesses. Um, even though he's basically just been badgered to death to confess. Um, so, and then they move into this whole thing where I like the part where they're trying to decide between, what was it, um, Castellino versus Castellini, the name of the street, and they drive halfway across town, it's the wrong one, and they drive to the other one. Um, but did you guys notice this one part in the film where there was this weird, like, misdirection? So... The Elena Markey, she's the woman who's crazy, she's in the institution. She gets a phone call, and she says she doesn't want to come to the phone, and the nurse says, I don't want, you know, she, she's not taking calls right now. And she hangs up the phone, and then they switch the scene over to Mario on the phone. Um, but he says, oh, it, um, it says, they said that Elena Markey doesn't live here anymore. So wow. it's like... They did this weird thing where if you weren't paying close attention, you would think that he was the one who called to talk to her at the institution. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but I thought it was pretty cool. Like, It's a cool transition, just, but at the same like the, time, it gives you a little bit of a red herring again. Right. Well, and again, I think the idea is, you know, when you're not paying that close attention, you want to create as many suspects for the viewers as possible so that they're surprised when they get to the end you know so 
But the other note I had was the bathtub. So she's killed in the bathtub. And this is probably another question for our European fans or friends. I don't... I've never seen a bathtub where the faucet is in the middle of the tub. Have you guys ever seen a bathtub like that? They're in every single Jolly that we've watched. They're in Deep Red. Um, Solange had one. Um, the Fifth Chord had one. The, the, the hot and the cold and the faucet and the, um, the hose for the shower is all right smack dab in the middle of the tub. And the, the tub is against the wall um, lengthwise. And then both sides of it are protruding out of the wall. And um, do they make bathtubs like that anymore, or is it just a European thing? Or they're you guys encouraging ever... you to take baths with other people? <laughs> I guess because like every bathtub I've seen, the the ends, the, the 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 head end and the foot end have walls that that, uh -huh. that flank them. And then on one side is where the faucet is, and the shower is up at the top. You I've never seen. I've never seen a, a bathtub like the one that they had in this film and all the other ones. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've never seen one like that though either, like in real life or anything like that. But on my honeymoon, you had one on your honeymoon. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to find it like this. So, at an asylum, at a loony bin, they made a shower situated so she could have her gentleman callers come in and bathe with her. That's the raddest asylum I've ever heard of. Well, no. The raddest asylum is clearly Slaughter Hotel. Oh, it does. Cold-blooded cold beasts. Hold on. Uh, Jason says it actually makes, you, it makes sense if you think about it. If you're laying down in it, you could actually reach the faucet. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's the coolest thing ever. I'd love to have a, a tub like that. But we live in America, so what are you going to do? Build one? Yep. Got to build your own. Um, did you have any more notes, Chris? That you yeah, I have to... tons of more notes, but I, I'm, I'm monopolizing the, the discussion here. So. Okay. Um, Eric, do you have any that you want to throw out? Um... I think Chris has got enough for me, at least. <laughs> okay. Well, just a couple of quick things that was funny. When I was watching this again, um, Zoe was walking around, and she wasn't watching it or anything, but she could hear it. And she walked in the room right when she didn't look, but she could hear when he first talked to the priest. And he asked the priest some question, and the priest is like, oh, uh, well, um, not that I recall. And she's like, he did it. He did it, right. <laughs> he did it. She's like, am I right? Am I right? The whole, like, she kept coming back and asking, and I'm like, yeah, you're fucking right. Get the fuck Please out, accept you know? this Bible. Um, yeah, that was awesome. But no, she just picked it out because of his uh, wavery voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, which is awesome. But um, I don't. A lot of people that it's the most telegraphed killer suspect of any one of these movies. He looks just like that shit drawing anyway. Uh -huh. He does. You yep. know? Exactly. <laughs> well, no, we never saw the drawing of him. The drawing was of um, Saunders. Oh. We never saw well, yeah, the guy. We never saw the guy that, that Mario drew a picture a picture of. That's his one drawing, though. That's... No, but we saw the drawing. 
It's yeah, just so hard. funny, though, because, like, obviously they're trying to give you the impression that because he's a fashion designer, he also knows how to draw people. <laughs> and that cartoon sketch with the with the triangle nose, and then oh they and then he goes walking around showing it to everybody in the. No, but here, I mean, like, it's a ridiculous film. The the plot is so stupid, and I don't know why I still like the film as much as I do. But it's like, okay, he went to three different churches looking for the American, and he got to the last one, and the guy goes. Um, you know, um, oh, he looks at the sketch and he goes, oh, you should try where the vagabonds and the hippies hang out. Like, why would that sketch even make you think that the person was a hippie? He's like, I've never seen somebody like that around here. It's just, it's just like, it's like a stick figure, basically. Like, who who would know? Uh, what was that? Know. What movie was that? Was it My Dear Killer? You drew a stick figure and threw it out the window? Yeah, and that was how he figured it out. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, all you all you needed to know was that the guy had a missing arm, and uh -huh. and that was why the drawing made sense because you know she she knew um, she she knew that uh, the killer had, had a missing arm, and so that's that was the clue. You didn't really need any other details. So, yeah. well, um, fun fact about this movie that I like. When he first goes to Barrett's house, and it's like all party, and there's all the naked painting on the boobies and stuff. When he first walks in, laying down on like a little sofa thing in a sort of greenish coat, is Camille Keaton rolling around with some dude. And then the whole rest of the scene, she walks by behind him, and she's like, some guys like shoving her or something. So that's fun for you Neil Keaton fans out there. Just her hiding out in the background. But I don't know who that is, so... Are you kidding me? No. Um, who saw... No, not who saw her. Did I, what, I mean, she's Solange. Which one was she in, in Solange? Was she no, like she, the main... She was Solange. Oh, she was Solange from... Yeah. Uh, I, from, from, uh, I spit I on, spit your, on grave. your grave? Okay. She's in yeah. that one too. That's interesting. That's kind of like that uh, that cameo of uh, the birds. Was it the birds um, in Blow Up? Did you guys ever see Blow Up uh, with David Hemmings? There's a scene where they go to a, like a jazz club or a, or a hippie party, and it's like Jimmy Page and um, whatever band he was in before Zeppelin. It's not the birds. It's something else. The Yardbirds. Um, the Yardbirds. There you go. And he's. Uh, um, so it's like that. That's what I like in it too. But it's it's a lower it's a lower rent version because it's a Jalo film, and they don't you know they just put Camille Keaton in there instead. See now I know her name. So that's what they did with Solange. Jason said that's good. Um, <laughs> about the plumbing, it also probably a factor of the conversion with so many buildings predated indoor plumbing and all and with so many having been designed to admit servants to help people with bathing, the easier access makes more sense. Jason is freaking smart as shit. Yeah. That's a good point. All those buildings were way before indoor plumbing. So there you go, Chris. You gotta find wow. a house with an outhouse and then build a bathtub for it. Um, the other little tidbit I wanted to talk about Besides how stupid Marissa Mel is for having her twin sister go pick up her kid when someone's trying to fucking kill her. Um, 
which is just fucking stupid. Uh, the whole Edgar Wallace thing. Now, I don't know if you have any notes on this, but back when we were doing um, What Have They Done to Solange, um, I had a lot of um, notes on that, and in doing so, I ended up getting a lot of notes on this, because both that movie and this movie are supposed to be based on um, Edgar Wallace's book, The Clue of the New Pin, or The Clue of the Green Pin, or something like that. Okay. And what's strange is, is that neither of those movies really have anything to do with that original story he wrote. But this movie, they really tried to promote that this was an Edgar Wallace story that they were doing. So, um, do you guys have any... What, where did you want to throw in on that? When or where did they promote it as such? Because, I, I mean, I didn't know... There's some posters for it that say Edgar Wallace's Seven Bloodstained Orchids. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a... I believe, wasn't it financed with West Germany at the time? I, I think... Is yeah. it Rialto Pictures or whatever? Yeah, and even the girl that played Julia, uh, she was a German actress. And I think, from what I read, actually from that, the So Sweet... Uh, so perverse or I'm sorry so deadly so perverse um, book was that she was kind of forced into the production but even so Lindsay said that she was actually kind of a delight to work with um, which usually isn't the case when they like try to get German actors and, and promote them in their films but yeah it was kind of at the tail end of the creamy um, types of films that were being co-financed with Germany and so it, it was kind of this last-ditch effort to get them noticed and get them popularized again. And uh, I guess this this film just didn't cut it as far as you know getting people's butts back in the seats for these creamy films. But yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely based off of uh, Edgar Wallace book, and that's how they they really hit, hit the hammer to promote it that way. What did Lindsay say about working with um, Sabato Wooden Boy? He said that I don't think he said too much about about working with him. He did say that uh, the uh, the the film itself was kind of bastardized by the the produ- producers, which we've talked about a lot, and um, in other films, and that the the producers really took away the plot of of his film. So that's another way that we can maybe not lay blame on him. But yeah, he said kind of along the same lines of what I did, that it was, it kind of turned into this real um, tepid plot. Oh yeah, he said it was pedantic. And um, yeah, it was just something that, unfortunately, the, the final product wasn't what was intended. And that includes the fact that it started as this Edgar Wallace uh, adaptation, which had no recognizable elements once it was out in theaters. Very nice. Chris, do you have anything to say about that besides that? No. Awesome. Well, <laughs> Marissa Mel is gorgeous, and she yeah, is she is my second favorite lady out of this uh, genre that we like to play in. Um, but yeah, so having two of her in this movie was quite fun. 
So what do you like better? you like her as a blonde or as a brunette? I just like her better in Perversion Story, period. She's more she was, fun. She was, bo- she was both. She, she had both hair colors in that film. Yeah. She was fun blonde. We'll say blonde right now. I, I think her natural hair is brunette. I don't know. I liked her better as a dark-haired girl. But but yeah. you're right, though, about the whole twin thing. Um, um, one of the things I, I wanted to know is um, when after Mario was... Um, after Mario finds Barrett... And then he's trying to find out or figure out who Saunders is. And we know now that Saunders was the guy who got killed in the car accident. That Anna, who's Marissa Mel's character, she was driving the car. He's laying there dying. She doesn't want to get caught because she's married. And she flees the scene. And as a result, Saunders' brother, the priest, decides to kill all the girls who might have been the one who was riding or driving the car, right? That's the whole yeah. motive thing. So, um, anyway, so so Mario's at the point now where he's trying to figure out who Sa- Saunders is, and two of the other scenes that I thought were ridiculous were um, he goes somewhere to find out where Saunders might live because he thinks he got his paper delivered there, right? He goes to the newspaper factory, and then... Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, why would you deduce that? And second of all, I guess maybe everybody just gets the paper back then. Um, but then the second thing was Barrett works for the newspaper, right? Exactly. He, come, he comes out of the out of the end. He's like, who would that guy want? And I'm like, well, that's a coincidence. And then Mario goes to this address that he gets from the newspaper. It's totally abandoned, but the phone still works, right? Because Barrett calls him and says, or somebody calls him and says, come to this address if you want to find Saunders. And it's the graveyard, right? So Yeah. Well, the house had like a booby trap in it. So it was obviously someone didn't want someone going up the stairs. And then when he went upstairs, he found uh, like a black coat with blood on it or something. in that little drawer thing or cupboard thing. So obviously someone had been using that place, but I don't understand why he didn't tell the cops or never went back. Right. If that was crime scene type shit. But um, I don't know how Barrett had the house that he did as a fucking peon at a fucking newspaper mill. Yeah, he spent all his money on heroin. Like, how could he afford that place, right? And well, he's got a they... good job at the newspaper factory. Maybe he does. Why would they bury... If Saunders was American, why would they bury him in an Italian cemetery? Because I guess because he lived there? He was just from America, but... Like, wouldn't they send him back Did to they America? they all bodies back? I mean, is that just like a normal thing? Like, they ship bodies? I don't know. I would guess, like, if you... Like, if, if someone in your family went overseas and, and died, you'd want the body to come back, right? I mean... Yeah, but I've seen loss, so I would never deal with that. Yeah, well... Yeah. Okay. 
Yes, that was a lost reference from yeah. the television show for all of you oh. people out there. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. need somebody somebody needs to answer this one. Okay. So Mario goes to to talk to the guy whose wife was the one who died of natural causes. Okay? He's the one with all the dogs. And he tells him that okay. he has a photographic memory and that's how he gets the he knows that Saunders or the guy who was the American from the hotel was um, stood out in his mind because he said he went to church every day, but he was a Protestant or something like that. So um, Jason says they do ship bodies regularly, but it's fairly expensive. Um, he was a broadcast. Eventually, eventually Mario goes back to the American hospital to find out what what happened to Saunders in the car accident, right? And he walks out, and there's the dude there. The the, the old guy with the photographic memory. What? For no fucking reason. For no reason. Why is he there? I and just he have, says, in my notes, Saunders. I just says, why the fuck? Exclamation. He says, Fred Saunders, and he's like, no, it's Frank Saunders. And he's like, well, if I said Fred, it's Fred. So that whole thing was just there to discredit him. So obviously, he probably, maybe, could have been Catholic. And but this guy. Why was just, he there in the first place? There's no reason. But it was just that they needed to get that across that he's an unli uh, unreliable witness. But yeah, that was so fucking ridiculous. Okay, so I guess we can skip th to the end at this point. There's a few other details um, that I thought were interesting. I liked what happened with. I mean, it was it was kind of silly, like you said, to have the the twin um, show up to pick the kid up. Um, and why did the killer have to go and do this whole thing with the drill and drill into her chest or something when basically everybody else was killed quickly with either a glove or a knife or whatever? Um, but we get to the end, and um, I like the way that it ended. I like the way that they thought it was Barrett, and all the cops, you know, basically decide it was Barrett, it was Barrett. But Mario's like, he's, he's listening, um, and he, he figures out that it's, it's Anna who was the one who was in the car accident. Because he was like, you know, my wife had this nervous breakdown two years ago. And I've just gotten her over that. Now this is, now with the death of her, um, her sister, this is going to be so hard to deal with. And so Mario figures out that this nervous breakdown that she had was a result of this car crash. So he goes over there and gets the sketch of the priest. And then we have that final scene where he comes and tries to get Julia. And the thing that I didn't like about it. Um, was that they they ended it just kind of like eh, let's just throw the two of them in a pool and we won't do any sort of combat hand-to-hand -hand combat filming or any sort of chase scene or any sort of like suspenseful anything except for who's gonna come out of the pool and the priest comes out of the pool and then it gets pulled back down and then Mario comes out of the pool um, and I thought they could have done something more I thought they could have had maybe a little bit of underwater photography or at the very least I was hoping for some sort of a flashback scene where 
you know, uh, the priest who doesn't actually have a name, he's not even credited with a name on IMDb for the film, the priest goes and, and finds his brother in the car crash and his brother's sitting there dying and um, while he's while he's telling, you know, uh, it could have been you or it could have been one of the other ones, but I don't know, so I have to kill them all. And while he was doing that, they could have flashed back to a scene to give you that, you know... Eh, I don't think so. Um, just because he tells you're you very, why he did it. You're when very he's bright. Trying to, I'm very bright. Um, he tells the chick why he's killing her, or why he's trying to kill her when he's killing her. Or when he's trying to. Like, he, he tells his story. And it's not a very good story, but it's a story. So he... Gives his motive out, whatever. And I think they just shot the pool like that because that was a bitchin' pool. And they had it, so they just wanted to show it. But it's kind of like torso-ish. Like when they go out the back door of that barn or whatever and she doesn't know who's going to pop out. Right. Kind of thing. Yep, same thing. And then they just... And then they walk off the scene. Like arm, you know, arm around each other and they walk off the scene and then the credits roll. It's the same same ending as torso, but uh, yeah, I could have used a little bit more of that final showdown. Yeah, um, I was looking for points, you know, for Jallo score, and that would have that would have put it over the ninety per ninety score if they had done something with that ending. But the ending was what did it get? eighty-five. Eighty-five. That's a pretty good showing. And I also had to, like, stop and think. I may not be the smartest person on the planet, but I had to try and figure out how that whole phone thing worked where the killer called Julia and then he left his phone off the hook, which kept the line. Um, yeah. That's and then, how they, they do it. And so, and so, like, in other words, nowadays, if you disconnect the call, you disconnect the call and your line is open again. But if back then, I guess, if somebody called and they didn't, you didn't both disconnect at the same time, then the line was still engaged. And so the cops were saying, well, we know where he lives because um, we traced the phone call. We have a, a trace on the phone. So then they go back to Barrett's house. Yeah. So, so the priest went to Barrett's house and hung him, and then called from there. I guess. Yeah. How much? How much do you think Barrett knew about what was going on? Like. I think he knew everything. So would you consider him an accomplice? I don't know because, like, honestly, I don't understand their relationship. Which other whose relationship? than Barrett and the priest? Was it just that? Saunders was Barrett's friend, so the priest and him ended up being buddies so he could find out who killed them. Well, well, Barrett was in love with Saunders, right? Yeah. And so, like, the, so the, the whole plot that was point. that when he found out that that Barrett, or that when, when Saunders found a girl and sent that postcard from the hotel that said, I found love, don't want to see you anymore, whatever um, but I guess my question is is Barrett an accomplice did he know that Frank's brother was going around and killing all these girls or did he did he not like he was he just like 
Was he just a pawn being used? Did he not know who the girl was? Did Frank never tell him who the girl was that he was leaving him for? Yeah, maybe not. Oh. Because I would think that if he did, then the priest would know exactly who to kill, right? There wouldn't be a movie. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. OMG. Let's see here. There was generally a physical line trace going on, so they probably wouldn't have disconnected it literally. Ah, so they left it open. That's from Jason. <clears throat> um, that makes sense. Let's see here. Yeah, well, um, I just thought it was hysterical when he, when Sabato breaks the window and he's like, oh, everything would have been fine if I hadn't broken the window <laughs> to scare him away. Like, <laughs> oh, that was so fucking stupid. Dumbass. <laughs> but, um, anyway. But yeah, so that was Seven Bloodstained Orchids. Eric, did you like it? Absolutely not. And sitting here listening to you guys go through the plot once again. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I mean, your insight the insight was great. I liked hearing that, but... It's like, <laughs> he's, he's trying to sugarcoat his answer now. You dragged, like this, dragging me he's through to find it again. I can't... To say. Oh, why? No, I'm, I'm trying to be positive about you guys. I don't want to make you feel bad, but... Just wait till next um, time. I... Well, I'm not. I don't have anything to say about next week's movie either. And if I talk about it as long as the mo actual movie is, please slap me. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> well, look, they can't all be winners, right? We had so sweet, so they can't. Dead and... They can't all be eyeball. It's just I don't know how you can find an hour's worth of discussion about this movie to talk about, but you guys did it somehow. So. <laughs> I maintain my 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 position on the movie that I like it. Oh I, I like watching it. Um, I thought it was fun. I mean, might not as be as fun as Eyeball or some of the other gems that we've covered, <laughs> but uh, you know, um, I like it. I'll watch it again. It's it's uh, that's how I judge whether I like how much I like it was whether I'll watch it again. I think it I think it moves fast enough. Um, it certainly moves faster than, say, Le Orme or something like that. But um, yeah, no, I like it. Yeah. it. Out of all the ones that we we watched, I had to. I was flip flopping between uh, Don't Torture and this one, and my top number one. And if you asked me tomorrow, I might put Don't Torture at number one and this one at number two from the top ten that we just did. So, um, so I'm on the fence about it being the best one out of the last ten, but. As of today, it was when I went through it in my head. So, so let's move into our next batch of films that the the viewers and listeners are going to vote for. <clears throat> so next week we're going to be doing the strange color of your body's tears, and so now we got to come up with our next three. So. Who wants to go first? Yeah. I do, does that mean I can move early? <laughs> See, yes. Eric wanted to do this before we covered the film so that he could leave earlier. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll throw mine out uh, first. 
got a couple options here, but I'll, I'll go with the one I have right at the top. I'm going to go with uh, seven deaths in a cat's eye. Ooh. That is fantastic. I'm so glad you picked that. I love that film. Thank you. I don't think I've seen it, so I'm excited. It's, um, it's kind of like a gothic giallo. Yeah. So, pretty fun. Chris, do you want to go, or do you want me to go? Um, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna pick one. Let's go with. Uh, we haven't done a Sergio Martino in a while, and so I'm going. Let me see what creeps face is looking like when I say Sergio Martino just in case he's gonna pick one too I'm going with um, I'm going with the case of the scorpion's tail there you go awesome and I am gonna pick one that is definitely gonna outshine both of your picks it is Eyeball one part two. I wish. <laughs> the second eye. You're not making uh, that one? No. Um, but yeah, the one I'm gonna pick, it's a little weird. It's it's a little it's it's been um called the eraser head of Jali. So this one I'm gonna pick is called Death Laid an Egg. Does the egg break open and like a little alien baby comes out and sings? All sorts <laughs> of stuff. Okay. <clears throat> By the way, whenever I keep doing this, it's because fine. I'm trying to crack my neck and it's not working. So that's awesome. Death laid an egg. It's like yes. the, the Jean Luc Godard Jello. It's going to be an exciting month ahead of us here and some change so thank you all for watching um, House of Laughing Windows only version I've seen is without subs it's not on YouTube I don't think it is on YouTube currently is not and I don't know if that's a recommendation but I know that we've done that one before not sure which episode number it was but yeah, it was in the last ten I think we did, and did we ever discuss the fact that it appeared that maybe they had filmed some of it in English, or am I thinking of a different film? Because that one definitely, that one definitely is in Italian. I've never seen an English version of that at all. But anyway, well, right on, everybody. So we'll add the trailer for those of you who are listening on the feed. And until next time, thank you all for joining our conversation. That was fun. Um, and until next time, everybody, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Ciao, ciao. Hey. c'est moi. Allô? Ma femme a disparu. Je suis sans cœur. Je peux rien faire.